All interviews on Mayday are brought to you by Fan Mail, the bi-monthly subscription box by Lady Geeks for Lady Geeks. Now taking subscriptions for the February box, Medieval Mayhem. You can find them at myfanmail.com. Fan Mail, bi-monthly subscription box by Lady Geeks for Lady Geeks. You can find them at myfanmail.com. And I believe you can still get a discount on your first box if you use the promo code Mayday. So do that. This podcast episode is a special one and hopefully a recurring one. We're hoping to do more of what are called pop-up podcasts, doing some short-run themed podcasts around different subject matter. This one is going to be all about female directors. There's been a hashtag going around called Female Filmmaker Fridays that's been going around and has been out there pretty consistently. Uh, So we wanted to take advantage of that because obviously we like to cover uh, things in the area of women doing great things in various industries and out there in the world uh, and really profiling them and bringing them into the forefront. So if you listen to our most recent Mighty podcast, which just came out a few days ago, we had a brief excerpt of our interview with director Lindsay Copeland. So she is going to be the first one that we profile because she is also going to hopefully co-host the future interviews and profiles that we do for the other directors. Uh, We do have some things lined up and in the works to interview some female directors and filmmakers, so hopefully that will all pan out. But we wanted to start with Lindsay because we have been talking to her for a long time about this movie Hedgehog that she just put out. So without further ado, this is our first in the series of Female Filmmaker Friday interviews, episode number one, Lindsay Copeland. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Justin. You're listening to Mayday. Uh, well, joining me today is director, filmmaker, Lindsay Copeland. She is got a film coming out here on February 6th, available right now for pre-order only on iTunes. It is called Hedgehog. It stars Madeline Brewer and Ann Dowd from The Handmaid's Tale, as you know. Uh, you can follow the film on social media at, at Hedgehog Film and online at HedgehogFilm.com. Lindsay, how are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Thanks for joining us. So tell us a little bit about the film. Give us a little brief synopsis of what Hedgehog is all about. All right. So Hedgehog tells the story of Allie, who is played by Madeline Brewer. Allie is the daughter of a once famous stand-up comic in Boston. Uh, her father passed away when she was young, and now she is uh, an adult young woman, and she wants to be a comic herself, but she has a very intense fear of performing uh basically crippling anxiety when it comes to being up on stage and the film is her journey about attempting to conquer that and uh, the different people she meets along the way that sort of force her into a reckoning with her issues with vulnerability and performance. Now in in making this and you you also wrote this correct this is written by you? I wrote it. All right so where does this come from from Lindsay Copeland's as Lindsay Copeland, the human being that wrote this story, is this a personal story? Is this something that has just come out of your head that you created or, you know, where does this come from? Um, well, all, I think all stories are personal in some sense, because no matter what they're about a subject that you have to be passionate about, because to stick with a script, writing a script before you even getting into directing it, if you do direct it, um, you spend a lot of time with the subject. I, I would say I'll, all my scripts are uh, a combination of things that I'm passionate about or subjects that I feel very intense about, personal stories, but also stories of friends and family and people I've met uh, in my life who've influenced me greatly. And people who've influenced me greatly are performers. And I think one of the most 
fascinating types of performers are comedians. You are so vulnerable up on that stage because you're by yourself with a mic. There's really nothing else going on and distraction is your greatest enemy. And then the personal side of it for me that I felt like I put into this film was um, when I was uh, younger and really just starting to write scripts about 10 years ago, I was so scared to show them to anyone because the first time you share a script with someone, it, it is very daunting because it can't not be personal. And if you show it to them and they don't like it, does that mean they don't like you? Does that mean you're a failure? Does that mean you shouldn't even be doing this? And you don't even really understand that, you know, in the beginning, no one writes well. That's another part of this story, too, is getting over uh, the, the fear that you have of sharing your work with the world. Talk about fear as a uh, motivating factor, especially as a performer and even a director. Um, mm -hmm. When you're putting something out there, do, do you feel like it's from your side? Does the fear of, okay, this has got to be great. Is that something that pushes you forward or is it something that you struggle with just as a director yourself? Oh, I, it's a, it's a combination that changes on any given day. If I'm being completely honest, um, fear, I think a, a small healthy dose of fear is good because it keeps you on your toes and it makes you not slack off because you you want to give your best every step of the way. You want you want to give your best self as a director, you want to give your best self as a writer and you want to continue to give that in post production all the way through release because if you can't talk about your film in the most excited, upbeat, positive way. I mean, no one else is going to. No one's going to believe in your story as much as you do. Even the people who love it, even the people who are in it, even the people who work on it, no one's going to feel about it the same way you do. So you have to be the champion and so to of the of the project. And so to do that, uh, you want to feel like you gave your best self. And some days you feel like you didn't give your best self because you can, you're a human being, you know, you get frustrated, you get tired, you doubt the story, you can doubt yourself, you can agonize over something dumb you said. Sure. Um, <clears throat> it's just, you know, as a part of it, I think a, a, a healthy dose of fear is good because like I said, it keeps you on your toes letting that manifest into a something that consumes you or holds you back. That's, that's the tricky part. You, you want to stay away from that because I've, I've gone through a thing and continue to do this, but I recognize it now. So I have a healthier way of dealing it, dealing with it where whenever I shoot something, the first time I watch the footage, I'm always like a maniac. Like I did everything wrong. And I, I just, there's no movie here. And I did, I did that with Hedgehog. I sat down with the editor, Michael Gill, and I was in such a weird headspace that I just t told him, I was like, you're going to have to tell me if there's no movie here, because if there's no movie here, we shouldn't waste anyone's time. And he had already seen everything. Like he'd all, right. he'd all the footage. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Sure. And, he, understandably so because it you know it came together beautifully and it's a great film if I do say so myself no the feedback uh, so far has been amazing and I'm I'm really proud of it and I'm proud of everyone that worked on it but you it's such a huge thing to take on uh as a you know as a first real feature that um you, you know if, if you can't see the forest for the trees I you know I just shot a short film uh like a week ago and I noticed myself going through that again, starting to get negative and I just stopped and took a step back and gave it a couple of days. And now I'm coming back to it with a fresh mind. And 
I can look at it and say, okay, no, this, this is good. And there's a story here and I'm going to find a way to tell it. Well, that's awesome. So it seems like it's gotten better for you the more you've gone on. So let's talk about is something I thought about today, honestly, this being your first feature film that just happens to have Madeline Brewer and Dowd in it. Uh, those are good people to surround yourself with. Uh, so talk about them being involved, but also the importance of surrounding yourself with a good cast and crew that are able to uh, not only help you kind of get out of your own head a little bit, but you know, help make the film as good as it can be. Um, that's a that's a great question and a topic that I love to talk about because uh, students that I've worked with in the past uh, that are trying to make their very first film ever, uh, they get really overwhelmed with, all the people you need to make a movie. Because in the beginning, a lot of times it can be very stressful because you have great taste and, and great vision, but you don't know how to execute that or communicate that. And you might not necessarily have the people by your side that can do that too, because they're inexperienced. But as you grow and, and continue, hopefully continue, a good producer good cinematography, good sound is worth its weight in gold. Film is a collaborative art form. It just is. You as the director need to have a confident vision and a guiding, a guiding voice. And you need to be very, very clear and specific and be an excellent communicator every step of the way and not just on set with the actors. You need to be a great communicator with all of your department heads and all the people that you're going to be working side by side with every single day. And then if you've got good people, they'll, they'll, and you're a good communicator, they're going to take what you're saying and they're going to, you know, spin it into gold. Brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting like emotional thinking about some of the brilliant people that worked on Hedgehog because there would be no movie without them. And the same thing goes with talent. When I, when I met Maddie for the first time, I knew instantly she was Allie and I'd seen her work before. I knew she was very talented, but I, I just, I just loved everything about her. I thought she was a very genuine person, kind, whip smart, uh, very clever, a hard worker that, you know, she, she is a woman with an excellent work ethic and is tremendously talented. And that's a fire combination. You can't lose with that. No, she's, and, she's tremendous. And when she, so you, you say this, like, it's just a thing that happens and maybe it is <laughs> for you out there making movies. It's like, Oh, when I came across Maddie. So tell, tell me specifically how, uh, the, the, maybe the non-sexy part about how she got involved. Cause I know that a lot of people, again, when I was thinking, Oh, this is your first feature film. And, uh, obviously Madeline Brewer was involved with Handmaid's Tale and its success after you had filmed this. Um, so yeah. you can say, you know, you helped push that along. Um, <laughs> if you want to, you can put that out there or, or, and Dowd, for instance, who's been in this industry forever. How did, how did those people just happen to not happen to, but how did you get them on board with your film? Okay. So, um, what happened was, so Hedgehog, I, I do say is my first feature. I did make a feature film uh, in terms of length. And it was kind of just a, a test to see if I could do it and how to do it. And I, I it's because Hedgehog was always there for me. Hedgehog, I the original version of that script I wrote when I was 20. So wow. that's like 11 years ago at this point. It was the movie I was always trying to get made. It was always something that I circled back to and something that I loved very deeply and cared about. I knew that if I didn't make something else that could demonstrate my ability, that I would never get Hedgehog made and made the way that I wanted to with the actors that I wanted to and with the crew and financing and all that other stuff. So I, I did an experimental work. 
And that got me to go to a bunch of different film festivals and meet different people. And one of the people that I became closer to along the way was a casting director called Brett Goldstein. She works in New York. And uh, she had been trying to help me with getting a project off the ground for a while. And as a result of doing that film, Girls' Night, Brett and I were in a better position to actually, you know, send Hedgehog out to people and try to get some people involved. And so Anne Dowd was one of the people that I wrote her character, the character of Joan for her specifically. I, I loved her in The Leftovers. I loved her in Compliance. I, uh, even her part in Philadelphia, I was just, I thought mm. she, she has such a long and wonderful career and thought she was brilliant and was, you know, crossing my fingers and praying she would want to do it. And when she did, I was actually on an Amtrak train, Boston bound. And I think I scared everyone in the car. I'd be like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're crying. Um, I was so happy. And then um, Maddie though was because I'd spent so much time being close to the character of Allie because the entire film is about her. She's in every single shot. She is, you know, the star of the show. I felt a little, lost in terms of who would play her i had a very hard time picturing it which is very common with it's your baby right i mean that's <laughs> yeah, yeah it's your baby and it's it's you know you're so you're so close to it with a character that's that up front and in your face and brett goldstein again was amazing and immediately was you know sent over a list of actors and the number one name on that list was madeline brewer and that name jumped out at me and i was like i know her Orange is the New Black. And I was like, oh my God, Trisha, cornrows, yes. And right. I think those were the exact words I said out loud <laughs> to someone like right next to me. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I was, I, you know, what's funny too is that I, for some reason, I don't even know why I did this, but the night before I met her for the first time, and she's going to hear this and she's going to laugh because she'll remember that I was really weird. I watched like her entire back catalog the night before I met her, like all her Orange episodes. I watched uh uh hemlock grove and i kind of psyched myself up too much to meet her yeah. and then we went for a coffee and so i'm getting all jazzed on caffeine talking a million miles a minute being like i think you're amazing come do my movie and like how were is you she were you fangirling on on the person you're trying to cast in your own film i did inadvertently and i didn't even mean to <laughs> i got really hyped because uh, you know, I had obviously seen her work, but not back to back to back. So <laughs> I don't know why I had a <laughs> Maddie Brewer party in my house with my cat the night before I met her. And then, um, mm. but she, you know, luckily she had already, she read the script. So the way it works um, for those of you at home who are uh, aspiring to do this, uh, if you're working with a casting director, they will be very upfront and honest with you about the realities of your script. And that's something, you know, I also wanted to mention about Brett was that she was very upfront with me when she got what I believed was the completed version of Hedgehog, the, the script. And she called me and she said, you got to change your third act. And she didn't even say hello. She just goes, you got to change your third act. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I've been doing this for like 25 years. Nobody's going to buy this. You got to, you got to rewrite it. People will love this script and they'll get to the third act and they're going to, they're going to say, no, they're going to pass on this. So go so rewrite it and send it to me again in two weeks. This is New York. And this is what right. happens. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so, and 
you know, younger me would have absolutely been like, you don't know what you're talking about, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I'm brilliant. And then, but, you know, thank God, like almost 30 year old me was like, nope, she's right. She's been doing this, you know, for a, a long time and she knows what works. And thank God she did that because she made me make it a better script and really forced me. So yeah, two weeks later, got the new script out. Brett was like, this is what I'm talking about. She, she sent it out to Maddie, uh, Maddie's uh, agent, manager. They read it. Uh, they gave it to her. When, when all three of those guys were on the same page and they liked it, then they reached out to me. They wanted to see my other films. They wanted to watch Girls' Night. And then once you clear all those hurdles, then you get to meet with the actor. And if they like you and they want to do it, then they'll agree to do it. And then you go into your negotiation process. And, and that's how she ended up there. Um, Anne was a little bit more straightforward, uh, because it was one of those things where the roles were different, you know, with sure. Maddie, we were asking for a very, we were asking for a long commitment, a lot of time, a lot of work and, you know, grueling because it's a 22 day shoot, not to, not to mention like her travel and having to live up there the whole time in a hotel room. So it, uh, there was a lot more stuff to go through with her, which is, you know, that happens on every movie. With Anne, it was more like, you know, we sent her the script and it was just a waiting game until she had a moment to read it and then she would decide if she wanted to do it. And when she made the decision, that was, okay, let's sort out her contract and move on. Anne was a total gamble, though. I had no idea if she was going to like it or not. I didn't know if she's going to want to do it. But we, you know... It worked. She want, She loved the script and she wanted to do it. And I am so grateful to her. I'm grateful to both of them because they definitely both made me a better director and a better writer. That's awesome. So specifically, and, and if you if you know this, I'm, I'm interested. What about Allie uh, really spoke to Madeline Brewer? Um, I think going back to the whole um, the journey of the performer, because she's an actor, I think she... I definitely identified with that a lot. And also, you know, the, the story of a young woman who is not exactly likable all the time. Um, she can be a very, this character I think is a frustrating person. It's a person who you think is going to do the right thing and doesn't always do the right thing and gets kind of messy and overcomplicates things. And I think uh, a lot of people will see themselves in that. I think uh, Maddie definitely saw a part of herself in that. I think we're all like that when we're young, overcomplicating things, getting in our own way, being, you know, not, not being a best friend to ourselves. And that's definitely a side of Allie. But I, I think overall for her, if I recall, and this is going back to like summer 2015, teen, uh, when we first met and had these conversations, uh, she, you know, she was attracted to the meatiness of the role because it, you know mm -hmm. actors like to play complex people real people but also okay. that the film is in essence the story of a person conquering their fears in order to be a performer sure that definitely is that and I, I could see why an actor especially of that caliber and fairly early in her career um, yeah. and probably having gone through some of the similar things that this character goes through would be attracted to that now with Anne what did, what what about uh, Joan really spoke to her? I, I could see this as Anne getting this and going, okay, this is something I could just hit out of the ballpark. <laughs> Let's go do this because she's awesome. Uh, she's she's amazing. 
and uh, it's just just one of those like when you see it because you can tell you wrote it for her um and mm-hmm. that probably helped and she <laughs> you know she's like um somebody wrote this for you but, but that's also a calculated risk too because Anne Dowd could get that and be like well this lady doesn't know what anything about me at all <laughs> it's oh, terrible no. oh and that's the that's the part too where you're really sweating out is the time in between when you know they have the script uh-huh. and you're just waiting to hear back and like dying a slow death because they could hate it or they could laugh or they could be like, you are a ridiculous person. And also I had no backup plan for that. I did not even have an, I had no rough idea of who else would play that character because yeah. in my brain, I was so married to it being, and with like the confidence of a showman in the 1940s, like you're going to love it. And you're going to come on in and it's going to change your <laughs> life. You know, like, <laughs> You know, I don't know where that came from, but it was just maybe it was just, you know, uh, the fear part of my brain being like, I'm tired of being afraid. Let's do something right. else. Let's be confident for once. Well, you know, and, and uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's be honest. We, when we get into, you know, even for Justin, the podcaster and doing these types of things, it's all kind of performing and putting yourself out there. And there's always a little ego involved. Oh, yeah. Um, in the fact that you think and the fact that you think someone wants to hear what you have to say or watch what you have to make or do what you have to do, you know. Uh, so there's a little bit you got to admit that there's probably a little part of you that goes uh, that's like, I know this is good. And when she sees it, she's going to really like it. And, and the, you know, there's always that fear. But you had to at least believe a little bit that you had written a great character that she was going to be into. Right. I, I, I did. And I forced myself to believe in that um, because I that's something I've definitely struggled with forever. And my friend, uh, Matt Richmond, who made an excellent short film a few years ago, um, Love Seat by Matthew Richmond. Uh, if you're looking for an excellent short film, you can go and watch it right now, now that I'm shamelessly plugging his movie and not my own. Um, <laughs> but circling back, one of the pieces of advice that he gave me a very long time ago is um, you have to believe that what you have to say is worth saying um, because if you don't, nobody else will. And that is, that's really stuck with me because I think that that's, you know, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're going you're going after actors that you have long admired and people that you just think are so perfect for a certain role and people you're just excited to work with. I think um, to answer the a previous question that you asked about what I think drew and to the material was uh, Joan is also a very complex person, a person who is also difficult, a person who is at times not easy to like. And you have question, you have these questions of like, is this woman crazy? Is she just really mean? What is this? And I, I, I think again, actors are attracted to that. They, they want to play messy, complicated, real people. And Allie and Jones share a lot of similarities that, uh, intentionally so, that they bounce off sure. of each other and they teach each other things. And I, I think that that's something that, you know, she, she wanted to play around with and experiment with. And then when they met, when, because what was so cool was the way the shooting schedule was structured because we had to shoot Anne first. We, we only had five days to film with her because her schedule was so busy that she came to Boston. The first time her and Maddie met was on set doing the first scene. And that first scene was Joan and Allie meeting for the first time. Huh. And there was, a, a beautiful organic chemistry there. And then funny enough, by pure serendipity, the last thing we shot was them saying goodbye to each other. 
Um, spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to not give anything away, but it's uh, it's true that uh, that it was not there. Nothing else was shot chronologically except for those two things, and it was you know really beautiful because there's there's some real emotion there, and they clicked right away. They clicked and they had beautiful chemistry together, and I mean clearly they have great chemistry together because now they're on The Handmaid's Tale, um, which you know wasn't even. If it was a glimmer in someone's eye, I didn't know about it at the time right. and know what it did because, you know, like I said, we shot this movie in October 2015. You know, uh, it wasn't until over a year later that I knew that show was happening. I knew Anne was cast in it, but I didn't know who else was. And I was actually, fun fun fact, now that I've given all the digression, I was with maddie we were doing adr for hedgehog when she got the call that she got janine and uh, real quick, that real was quick, a real, real quick pause uh explain adr for the kids at home that might not be in the know of Sorry. your acronyms um adr um you also know that it can be called a looping stage it is when actors are brought in and you have your footage up on a screen and they have to re-record lines either for technical issues that happened with recording those lines on the day or uh, sometimes it can be a performance thing. You just, you know, you got a brilliant take visually, but the take vocally just isn't working for some reason. Mm -hmm. David Porter, who was also our sound designer in post-production, him and Jared made this film sound brilliant. And I am so grateful to them because good sound, again, for those of you at home that want to make a movie, most of you will be concerned mostly with your camera, but you should equally be concerned with your sound because bad sound equal bad movie. That is a rule. I did not listen to that earlier in my career and I paid a very heavy price for that. So I have learned no matter how good it looks visually, bad sound will make it look cheap because you hear faster than you see. Mm -hmm. Um, And by millisecond, by less than milliseconds. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist <laughs> but it's, yet. Um, but I, my, my dad's a scientist, actually. He's probably going to hear this and go, oh, wasted you. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about um, the audience. Obviously, you've gotten some good reaction from this. I mean, you, you know, you, you may you talk about filming it back in 2015. So you've kind of lived with this thing and traveled around with it going, look at my baby, look at my baby. And uh, <laughs> the overall reaction has been positive, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's been great. We we picked up a couple awards along the way and made a lot of um, great friends from other film festivals. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see online reaction and more public reaction to it because um, that's what I get most excited about. But just hearing feedback at film festivals from the audiences that's sure. what i love 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 people that come up to me because sometimes during the q a's that you have um so after for people who haven't been to a film festival when you go to a screening after the screening the lights will come up and someone from the film festival will come down to the front with a microphone and usually the director and hopefully if their schedule allows it one of the stars will be there too and the audience has a chance to ask some questions and find out things that they wouldn't normally know about a movie and the directors get a chance to talk about their film and answer those audience questions. And that's always my favorite part because I love interacting with audiences, even difficult ones. Um, but hear, hearing people's feedback or seeing people get emotional or just 
see them just click with the material. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You feel like you, you did something right. And that's, that's why I do it because yes, getting critics to like you and getting into really prestigious film festivals is all well and good. And of course we need that to advance and for people to even see it because we need promotion for people to even know that our films exist. But the thing that really just does it for me is seeing audience faces after they've watched like a, one of my films and seeing them respond to it, whether that's happiness or anger or sadness or, you know, sure. the range of emotions and then talking about it too. If they have the, you know, if they're feeling ballsy and they want to like come up and talk to me, which I've been on the other side of that as an audience member. And I'm always too scared to go talk to a director <laughs> afterwards, especially if I love their work. I uh, have embarrassed myself more than once doing that. <laughs> so, Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I love audience interaction and, and it's been very, it's been very positive along the way. And it's, it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. Well, well let's talk about uh, being, out there being a female director in this moment specifically uh, in the show business, since we've gone through this, we're kind of, I think we're still in the middle of it. It seems of the me too, the time's up movement with uh, females really asserting themselves and coming forward to, you know, kind of squash this. uh, I don't know the industry itself and kind of rebuild it because I think for a long time, it's been obviously run the wrong way and the gatekeepers themselves have taken advantage of their power inappropriately and uh, yeah. it's nice for me uh to see that happening and i'm sure from your side being an actual woman in the industry it's also been nice and i i know that um we started seeing this hashtag that you and i were talking about before we came on here the female or friday what was it female filmmaker friday yes female filmmaker friday so tell me what that's all about it. what do you know about that um, so that kind of popped up out of nowhere uh, for me because I was I was in pre-production for a short film and I wasn't really on my phone a lot. And then last Friday, um, I saw it going around and I was like, what is this? And it actually came from uh, Saoirse Ronan from Lady Bird saying in an interview recently that her watching Greta Gerwig direct gave her the confidence and the inspiration to think, oh, I could direct something one day and it it was her you know speaking about how representation matters and so uh what a lot of women who are filmmakers did was they were like let's post pictures of ourselves directing with little stories and this hashtag and keep it keep it going around because showing people doing it showing women directing is going to inspire other women to want to direct. It's a very easy A to B. It's so simple. I don't know why we didn't think of this sooner. Maybe right. we're just waiting, waiting for something to, to pop off like this for us to have a, a collective movement. And I right. love it. I love it. I thought it was going to be a one-off, but it's not because today's Friday and there's, you know, all these women that I love sharing on set photos and sharing stills from things and sharing them, you know, Reed Morano being a badass holding the camera and directing at the same time, which is no easy thing. I just did that myself. I shot something that I was directing and it's so hard. And I mean, Reed Morano is a world-class phenomenal cinematographer. I do not even hold, not a candle. I don't hold a match to her, but <laughs> okay. But doing both simultaneously I mean, one of my favorite photos of all time ever. And I'm, I, I am a big 
visual art person, clearly, but I love photography so much. One of my favorite photos ever is Reed Morano pregnant with a shoulder rig holding <laughs> a very awesome. heavy camera and maybe, noticeably pregnant. Maybe that like, should be the, the official the official image for Female Filmmaker Friday. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that to me is just... You can make it brilliant. like the logo, like like the like the NBA logo is uh, actually a guy with a head model who's I forget his name off the man Jerry West, who's a very okay. famous uh, LA Laker. He is the actual. Yeah. Uh, mo- they took his image and made the. That's what you should. That's what we should do with Reed Morano. It should make pregnant Reed Morano with the camera on her shoulder, being the official you know logo of female filmmaker Friday. I'm here for it because it's just a testimony to um, her physical strength because yeah. uh, of that, but also just like she's such a rock and i mean she's just one example of a lot of people who influenced me even like my peers uh that uh i i look to them all the time for inspiration and motivation and whatnot and so it just makes me so happy it makes me and it's such a positive thing because i feel like with with the news that's been pouring out it's been very easy to get depressed because uh if you are a woman exist in the world and you specifically exist um in in what we're talking about in in this industry because this is a problem that's pervasive in all industries but i know that we're specifically talking about entertainment right now that it's not very hard when there's something that's going on that hurts you and you have for a long time just sort of resigned yourself to this is the way things are and i just have to build myself in a way to deal with it and then when it gets when you're forced to confront that when this whole time you've you've built yourself to it to just live with it it's hard it's really hard to confront it and i think a lot of people have felt very emotional about that with good reason because we're human beings and you don't want to really acknowledge the disrespect which i think is at the core of the issue and that's just my opinion yep. but i think it's you know it was a lack of respect for women in the field a- across the board of uh, not believing that they could do the job not believing that they would be good at the job seeing them purely as objects or just sec like just sexually like that mm-hmm. all that they serve is is a sexual purpose and um and not only that they, listen- the viewpoint that they didn't deserve to be there let alone that they couldn't be there. To be there yeah didn't deserve to be there and i mean um this is you know something that has been brewing for a really long time and i think that it's i heard I, i'm blanking on which uh actress said this but she mentioned a, a tectonic shift and i agree with that that i definitely sense a shift and but i'm glad to see that i know it's a hashtag and it's so silly and it's so simple but it does mean something to me because seeing examples of people being really positive and showing women working making films making art putting stuff out there that's the that's the positivity that we need and it's also giving the voice back to the women themselves yeah. instead of the stories being about people being creeps the the stories are now like hey this amazing person is making a film and you should go see it and also they happen to be a woman but that's not really the most important thing the most important thing is the story is great right so that's i said unfort- a lot it's unfortunate that we don't know anybody like that. Oh, wait, we're talking to Lindsay Copeland, fantastic female director who has made a fantastic movie that you should see by buying it on iTunes February 6th. It is called Hedgehog. It stars Madeline Brewer and Ann Dowd of 
Handmaid's Tale fame at this point and soon to be Hedgehog fame. Uh, yes. Lindsay, thank you for yes. joining us and I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I think, I think, and I'm going to cut it out anyway if you say no, but I think we're going to, we're going to do some more things, um, especially now that I know about this hashtag, the female film, filmmaker Friday, because you and I had discussed um, influential uh, female directors and yes. something that I'm really interested in just from the standpoint of like when I was researching it, like there are a lot that I knew, but there are a lot more that I didn't know yeah. and that I really would like to be exposed to. So it's one of those things that I just don't know what I don't know sometimes. And uh, not by any like, you know, I'm not not going to see female directed movies. I don't think I'm being given the opportunity specifically uh, cool. by the gatekeepers, as it were, to see some of the female directors do their thing. So I think you and I are maybe going to get together and try and uh, work a little project to yes. shine I'm a light on some of the great ones. I would love to. It's a subject I'm very passionate about. So uh, I can talk at great length, as we've all just seen, <laughs> uh, about, about things that I love. So this is, you know, I, I'm down. Awesome. Well, that is fantastic to hear. So we will uh, look forward to that. And uh, once again, you can find Hedgehog on iTunes specifically uh, right now, February 6th, it comes out. And you can purchase it on iTunes at Hedgehog Film is where you can find it on the social medias uh, and hedgehogfilm.com online. And once again, this was Lindsay Copeland, director of the film Hedgehog. Please go see the film by the film Hedgehog. Have we said Hedgehog enough times? Hedgehog. Hedgehog. That's the name of the film. <laughs> you can't, you can't. Lindsay, Lindsay's like, you can't say it enough times. Say it more. So, Literally no limit. Hedgehogfilm.com. <laughs> Go see it. Lindsay Copeland is the director. She's amazing. Thank you for joining us, Lindsay. This is Justin. This is Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Please head over to allconsumingcontent.com. You can also check out our radio station at Handmaid's Resistance Radio. That is on Slacker Radio or for free on the Slacker app.